Well, this morning we're continuing our series, The Calling, and what we're doing in this series is we're just highlighting the, the truth that God is a God that calls out to his people, that calls his people to more here, even, and now, that God is calling to us. God is constantly calling to us, wherever we might be in our faith journey, whether we're seasoned saints or whether we're really unsure if we believe at all, our God is a God that calls out to us wherever we might be and invites us to so much, to faith, uh, to uh, experience transformation, to a new sense of identity, all sorts of stuff. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Chuck kicked off our series with the call to believe, uh, that Jesus is calling us to uh, believe in him, place our trust and faith in him, um, whether for the first time or that next stage of, of faith, that next step we might have. And then last week, Pastor Brian continued by diving into the call to follow, uh, that Jesus calls us to believe, yes, but Jesus also calls us to follow him, to model what Jesus did in his ministry throughout our entire lives. And now this week, we're going to be diving into another way that Jesus calls us, the call to proclaim. The call to proclaim the good news to the whole world. But before we get there, I want to talk about the term calling a second. Because we live in an age of smartphones, and when we use the word call or calling, um, 99% of the time we're talking about our smartphone, are we not? We're talking about our smartphone. And what is the purpose of a phone call? Well, from what I can guess, it's to connect with someone or to get some information from somebody else in some sense, right? Like I call my wife uh, once a day just to connect, just to say hi to her. Every single day we do that. It's, it's a rhythm that we have to connect. Um, it's also uh, calling us about relaying information too, right? Uh, uh, several years ago, uh, my niece, she was two years old and she needed to give me a phone call, so she dialed up and she gave me a call and I answered and I said, hi. And she said, uh, uncle, I have news for you. Okay, what is it? She said, I just poopied on the potty. <laughs> it was a meaningful phone conversation. We, we really connected there. But when we talk about biblical calling, we're talking about something more than simply a phone call, right? Uh, listen to how the Apostle Paul talks about calling in Romans 8. I love this. He says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's those last few words. According to his purpose. Biblical calling is not simply God wanting to ensure that we have our golden ticket to heaven, though it's certainly a part of it, I would argue. Or it's not even just God calling us to hang out. Like it's, it's more than that. God calls us to himself, calls us to faith, calls us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, but God does so for a purpose. Jesus' calling to us is a vocation. It's vocational. It's a job, essentially. The and the question is, well, what job is it that God is calling his people to? And to find that out, I want to turn to our scripture reading for the morning, which is 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 12. And Cindy Anton has graciously agreed to read for us this morning. And what we do here, uh, Cindy, you can head on up. Um, and what we do here is we stand and we face the center of the room where the scripture is read. And the reason we do that is because the scriptures are the greatest story ever told. They're the story of the gospel of Jesus. So Cindy, when you're ready, uh, take it away. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. 
and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Thank you, Cindy. You guys may take a seat. It's really the first verse that I want to zoom in on uh, with you guys this morning. Uh, it's verse 5. Uh, let, let me just read it again for you. Uh, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. God's calling is wrapped up in this verse. For what we preach, Paul, the author of 2 Corinthians, says, preach. That's a loaded word, isn't it? Preach is a loaded word these days. Yet Paul tells us, you know, that is something that we are called to do, to go on and to preach. We're called to believe and we're called to follow, but we're also called to preach. But you know, the word preach today carries kind of a negative connotation, doesn't it, in our world today? We say things like, stop preaching at me. And if someone says that we're being preachy, well, that's not really a compliment, is it? If we're being preachy, that's a, that's a bad thing in our society. It means there's some level of self-righteous, you know, moral judgment that we're either tossing out at somebody else or they're tossing back at us. You know, if someone says that we're preaching, it, it means that, that they think that we're doing something wrong. They have the answer to that, and they think they're better than us too. That's all wrapped up in the word preach. You know, for those of us in marriages, we get this, don't we, guys? We get this, don't we? You know, early on in my marriage with Becca, um, she would come to me and then she would have like a concern or an issue or something she was struggling with in her life and she just wanted to talk about it with me. And in all of my wisdom as a young married husband, I assumed what she was wanting was wise counsel for me. And I knew that I was incredibly wise and I could offer those things. And so she would share her, you know, her struggle or whatever it may be, and then I would follow with this brilliant answer on what she needed to do to fix the problem. And then after I spoke, she would thank me from the depths of her heart. Thank you so much, John. Nope. <laughs> Didn't go that way at all, actually. I usually would be met with a stop preaching at me. Stop preaching at me. Spouses, you get this. I know it. You know, for us, that's what preaching is. It's self-righteous, it's judgmental, it's something we don't actually want to be caught doing in our culture today. But you see, in the Bible, uh, preaching does not mean what it means today. You know, the New Testament was written in the language mostly in Greek, and the word that we translate, um, I preach, 
uh, is actually the word Caruso. Caruso, like Robinson Crusoe, except Robinson Caruso. That's how I memorized it in seminary. If you want to memorize that word, go ahead. Anyway, and you, and you can interpret that word literally to mean I preach, or you can also translate it to mean I proclaim. Caruso, I proclaim, which I think is probably a better translation of, of the word. It's I proclaim. And this word is actually a unique word in, in the Bible because the roots of the word Caruso are actually found in the ancient Roman government. That's where you found the word first. In the Roman government, you had the emperor, and the emperor was, was the leader of the empire, right? And the emperor needed to say things to his people, to the masses. But the emperor often would choose not to be the one to actually do that. There was another person to speak on behalf of the emperor, and that person held the title of a herald, of a herald. The, the herald was basically the mouthpiece of the emperor, and the herald's job was to proclaim or to caruso to the Roman masses in the name of the emperor, the news that the emperor might have wanted to share that day or week or whatever it may have been. And usually the herald's job would have been to announce or to proclaim good news because that's what the emperor wanted communicated was good news. Now, archaeologists have discovered that one of the herald's main jobs in the Roman Empire was actually to announce the emperor's birthday. And I'm assuming that the, this uh, guy would walk out and he would talk in Old English because that's what I assume people like this would do, right? T heralds speak in Old English and they say, hear ye, hear ye, it is the emperor's birthday or something like that. And then it'd be a party and they'd release balloons and Maroon 5 would be playing on the side stage or something. You know, it'd just be this great party. But that was part of the, the herald's job. The herald also held another important role. See, when the Roman military would head off and they'd go to war, and then they would win the war, they would march back, and before they'd enter the Roman gates, uh, there was a job that the herald had. The herald would stand out and would exclaim, would proclaim that the Roman military, the Roman soldiers were victorious, and then the Roman soldiers would come in, and there'd be this great fanfare and excitement for, you know, Rome was victorious again. Caruso, they proclaimed, Rome was victorious that was the role of a herald. They were the mouthpiece of the emperor. And they would caruso euangelion. In English, they would proclaim the good news of the day. Whatever the emperor wanted, shared. Now, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, what we preach or what we proclaim to you is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. What we proclaim to you is that Jesus is Lord. We caruso you angelium, proclaim the good news that Jesus is Lord of this world. What we are called to do by God is to be heralds of the good news of Jesus, just like the Roman government heralds did. That Jesus is victorious. That yes, Jesus went to a cross and Jesus died a death that he probably shouldn't have had to die. We should have had to do that. Yet, Jesus also rose again in victory over death. And that's good news for the whole world to hear. We are called to speak on behalf of our Lord Jesus the good news of the day. That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is victorious in this world today. We're called to be proclaimers more so than preachers. Jesus calls us to 
faith and calls us to follow in his footsteps so that we can be heralds in this world, his heralds. That's what God calls us to do. And it's not about self-righteous judgment of other people and, and maybe their, their poor life decisions. No, that's not what the role of a herald is. That's not what a proclaimer does. No, what we do as proclaimers is we proclaim that Jesus is victorious over any moral failure we have or bad decision or bad lifestyle we may have fallen into. That Jesus is victorious over our addictions and our insecurities and our low self-esteem and the decline of Christianity in America and abortion and that one thing we did a long time ago that we would never want to share in public, that Jesus is Lord over all of those things. And that's good news for the whole world to hear. Now let me hit the pause button a second. When I was a kid, I went to this kind of roaring Pentecostal church and at the end of every service, there was usually an altar call. And during this altar call, uh, the, pa the pastor or children's pastor would, would step up and say, you know, um, is, if, do any of you want to you know, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior into your heart and then accept him as your personal Savior? And there would be this moment at the end of every service where that would happen. And it was this really holy moment. I remember that's one of the first times that I accepted Jesus into my life as my personal Lord and Savior. And it's a good thing, isn't it? And I'm assuming that many of us in this room had a moment like that at least. We had a moment of faith where we came to believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, that he's all ours, he's our we have a personal relationship with him. But then what happens with us is we get stuck there. We have this personal relationship with Jesus and then, and then it stays a personal relationship with Jesus. And so we spend our time, you know, trying to pray more and read the Bible more, which are really good things. And if you don't do it, do that more. But then we forget about the second half of what Jesus calls us to. God's calling involves more than a personal relationship. It involves proclaiming. Proclaiming the good news to a world that needs to hear it. And here's the deal, guys. People desperately need to hear it. People need good news today. Our world needs a public faith from us. It does. Our world needs heralds of Christ's good, good news. Where we're constantly announcing to the world with our words and with what we do, the reality that Jesus is Lord and it matters for everyone's lives. It's why Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 6. Listen to this. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory, displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and it's not from us. Look, our world is actually a spiritually dark place. Now, I don't think it's the apocalypse out there, but spiritually speaking, maybe it is. It's a godless place. Our world is full of sin. Our world is full of hurt and betrayal and lying and disease and corruption. And well, I'm guessing you can probably add to that list with all of our personal experiences. And what makes our world truly the darkest is the reality that death reigns in this world today. We are all going to die one day. And most of us are going to die, and it's not going to be that peaceful, like, nice death. It's going to be probably not a great one. 
going to be a not good death. And most people in our world today recognize this. They recognize that the world's a dark place, that the world's not the way maybe they want it to be or it should be. They, most people in our world today recognize that there's a wrongness in the world. And they want to see the world change. I, I recently uh, read an article about uh, Silicon Valley and all the executives and, and presidents out there and their firm belief that they can out-innovate all the bad stuff that's going on in the world. They can out-innovate hunger and they think that they can even one day maybe out-innovate death. And they're so hoping that happens and they're putting lots of resources into it because they look around this world today and they say, you know what, something's off here. They see a darkness and they're looking for a light. And the light our world needs is the good news of Jesus. And Paul says that the way that God chose to, to spread his light over the whole world is through us. It's through you and I. You know, I love the metaphor that Paul uses. He uses the metaphor of jars of clay. You know, in the time that, that Paul was writing, um, darkness or nighttime was a really bad place. It was a scary place. They actually equated it with chaos. All the bad stuff in life, well, it's going to happen at night. It's going to happen in the darkness. And people actually tried to stay indoors when it was night out because they knew that it was a dangerous place to be. You know, at night, if you were out and about at night, you could get murdered, you could get raped, you could get robbed. Uh, lots of bad stuff can happen to you. And what's interesting is in Paul's day, what people did to counteract this is they took this little clay jar or a clay pot and it was this really thinly made clay pot and they put a candle in it. And when the candle was lit, the pot was so thin that the light would kind of burst through and it would be this, uh, basically a flashlight at night and they'd walk around at night with this. Not necessarily to see their way around, but to actually keep them safe because there was something about when there's light around, the, the stuff that happens in the darkness, the chaos seems to stay away. The robbers stay away. The murderers stay away. The thieves, they stay away. You know, this isn't, this isn't actually a new innovation. Um, in Chicago several years ago, there's a famous alley. And all the neighborhood in this alley, they, would, they nicknamed it Murder Alley. And some of them named it Crime Alley. And the reason they called it that was because at nighttime, the alley was so poorly lit that at night, a lot of really bad stuff would happen. People would die there. Um, people would get robbed there. A lot of drug trade happened in this one spot at night. And so people avoided it. It was dark. It was scary. And so what, this, what uh, the neighborhood did is they raised funds and they put in a couple street lamps. And the day they put the street lamps in, the crime stopped like that. It's kind of interesting. And you see... What, what God is calling us to do is to be the street lamps, to illuminate the darkness. That's our role as followers of Jesus. That's what God calls us to. And the way we do that is through Caruso, through proclaiming the good news of Jesus with our words and with our actions, through what Paul says, through making ourselves servants to others through sharing how God's good news has impacted us and shaped us personally. And here's the deal, folks. If we as a TFRC community, all 2,100 of us that call this place our church, if we took this seriously, we could do some real damage here in the Magic Valley. We could literally light up the Magic Valley. 
if we took this seriously. Can you imagine what that would be like? It'd be a different place. It'd be a totally different place. Can you see the impact? Now, you may be wondering, this is all great, Pastor John, glad to hear. Um, I have no idea how to do this proclaim the gospel thing. It doesn't really work for me. Don't know how to do it. Feel ill-equipped, perhaps. Um, Johnny Benavides, he came on staff about a year and a half ago, and part of his job is he's, really ta- he's been tasked to help us with reaching out as a community, to make, us, to make TFRC a better place when it comes to reaching out, to take it seriously. And for the past year, he's been leading uh, these two classes on reaching out and proclaiming the good news. And he's been using a strategy called organic outreach to do so. And he has found organic outreach to be really helpful with proclaiming the good news because it is scary and it feels really difficult and we feel ill-equipped, but organic outreach seems to really strike a nerve with him and his classes. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Johnny up and he's going to share with us a little bit about organic outreach and what he's been learning along the way. So Johnny, come on up. Good morning. Now, before he starts talking, one of the things I have to say is Johnny Benavides has got to be one of the most passionate dudes about proclaiming the gospel. Seriously, like top five in this church. He's great. I love it. And just the first question, Johnny, what is it about proclaiming the good news that like, why are you so passionate about it? Well, the reason that I have my faith today is because uh, someone shared their faith with me when I needed to hear it in, in, in a part of my life. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm sure, um, and I'm guessing that's probably true with, with many of you, um, that, that someone's done that in your life. Um, and there's probably been a person or a group of people who have uh, had a huge impact in your, in your faith and, and building that. And the reason, why I, um, the reason why I am passionate about sharing my faith is because there is a lot of people in this world who have not heard the gospel. And, um, and they need to hear that from people like you and me. Mm. So... Can you give us like a 10,000 foot view of just what organic outreach is? Okay. In two seconds. In two seconds. Okay. So by a show of hands, how many of you can get excited when I say the word evangelism? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so, so I get it. No, I, I really get it. Evangelism is scary. You know, you don't, you don't know if you're going to have the right answers uh, for, for when you're talking to someone. Or, you know, there's, there's uh, the, the possibility of being really uncomfortable with talking to a stranger. And there's also the argument of, of not um, feeling like you are equipped to be an evangelist. And so, and these are really, really compelling, compelling reasons. But organic outreach, organic outreach is a different approach to sharing your faith. And um, organic outreach, it's, it's a different way of sharing your faith because it uses a natural approach in your relationships and how you interact with people from your day-to-day life. So, Johnny, you've been teaching a couple classes on Wednesday nights, organic outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been really, you've been applying it to your personal life like crazy. And on, people on staff, we've seen this a lot. So, so what about organic outreach? What's been helpful to you that you've oh. really taken a hold of? Okay. So there's, there's actually a couple of things. Um, 
one of the things that organic outreach really emphasizes on is prayer. And um, there's, there's, just, there's just different ways it, it gets you out and it helps you to find a reason to pray for people, whether or not they're struggling with just life or they're celebrating life. And it's, it's, it's the goal to get those opportunities to pray for those kind of people in those situations. And um, on, on top of that, um, a few weeks ago, there was a gentleman who came to second service. Um, he was looking for directions, he didn't know where he was going to, so he came inside the octagon and he asked me for directions, and I had to ask someone else because I didn't know where he was going. Um, so they got him directions. But as soon before he got those directions, I asked, hey, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And he kind of hesitated just a little bit. He's like, okay. So I, I laid my hand on his shoulder. I think his name was Doug. I'm like, okay, Doug. Um, I'm just going to pray for you really quick. So I pray, uh, Jesus, uh, may you watch over Doug. May you be with Doug and, and help him to get safely from, from where he's going to where he needs to be. Jesus, in your name we pray. And he got his information, and then he left. And then, and then someone said, hey, did you see his eyes? His eyes? No, no. Well, had I kept praying for him, he would have started crying because he needed to hear that someone cared. He needed to know that Jesus loves him. And there was a second thing. So we, on staff here on Thursdays, we go to Costco. We have lunch at Costco. Uh, we might see a couple of you guys there. You know, we have a lot of the, uh, uh, some, of, some of the samples that are there. And we just go there. We have a really great time. You know, we actually know all the sample ladies there <laughs> by name. <laughs> and we know a lot of the people that give those samples, by the way, too. Um, and so, you know, we're having a great time. And so we're leaving. And as soon as we leave, I see an old friend of mine that I have not seen for in like 10 years. So I'm asking, I'm asking, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just having a really tough time right now. You know, um, my wife and I were struggling. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on, and it's not going well for him and his family. So what do I do? I ask, hey, is it okay if I pray for you? Yeah, yeah, okay. So Jesus, I, I ask, okay, I'll make it quick. I'll make it brief. I say, okay, Lord Jesus, May you be with my friend. May you help him and his family to get things together. May you put all the pieces together. And may you be over their lives and help them to straighten this stuff out. Jesus, in your name I pray. And he says, thank you. And so there's another thing that's helpful to the organic outreach strategy. It's called spending time with people. And since I have been teaching organic outreach um, this, this, these, these past semesters, I've always challenged my class hey, go hang out Monday nights with our Celebrate Recovery. And we have, I have someone in my class right now who's actually take that challenge because it's, it's, it's always so cool to, to see someone use the information that we have to apply it to these people, to the people around them because, the, because they care, because they absolutely care. So if we're wanting to take this, our call from God to proclaim seriously, um, what are just like a couple quick organic outreach principles, whatever that we can use, maybe starting this week, what, what can we do? So this week, look for an opportunity in your, in your family and your friends. If they're struggling with something, pray for them. If they're going through something that's absolutely wonderful and you want to enjoy it with them, pray for them. And another thing that, that's, that's really great is... Um, Spend time with them. Spend time with your friends and your family that are having a rough time. 
or, or that are far from Christ. Uh, do what you can. In, in, invite them into your life. Uh, if they ask you to go do something, go do it with them. Go show them the love of Christ. But, but always do it as long as it's not illegal. If it's not illegal, then it's okay. <laughs> so, so one more thing, Johnny. With, with prayer, because I think this is really interesting, all the people that you've asked to pray for so far, how many of them have said no? You guys are going to be really surprised by this. So far, no one has told me no. Because it's really, it's really not threatening. Especially when you go up to someone and they're struggling and you offer something that pure and holy. Um, they always say yes. Not all the time. But they don't always tell you in such bad words, no. <laughs> but most of the time, it is yes. It's amazing. People are open to, to prayer most of the time if you ask. I think that's really interesting. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You know, as I was preparing this week um, for the call to proclaim, one of the things I was thinking about and maybe dreaming about a little bit is what would it look like one day if the seats, all the empty seats that you see, and there's not a bunch, but what if they were filled with stories of people um, that came to know Jesus on account of the people that are in this room this morning? Like, what if that's what we became known as, as proclaimers? And we saw the fruit uh, reaped from that. And the good news was shared and it transformed people's lives and they joined us in this community. Wouldn't that be amazing? I think it would. So let's pray. God, uh, we thank you that you are a God that calls out to us. God, we thank you that you call us to, to belief and you call us to follow, God, but you also to, you call us to go out and, and to spread your good news, to proclaim. And God, we pray that um, wherever we might be this morning, that you, you work in our hearts, you send your spirit upon us, you inspire us to get out there and get to work, God, because there's a lot of people that need it. There's a lot of people that need to hear your good news. And so God, please make us proclaimers this morning. Make us proclaimers this week. And we'll do all of it in your name, in your son's name. Amen.